This podcast is presented in partnership with Rewatchable Media, home to several great podcasts and YouTube channels covering TV shows, movies, and culture. Find out more on rewatchable.media. So I don't have any uh, EPL or soccer updates for today. Well, I have an important baseball update. What's the important baseball update? The Red Sox have lost to the last place team, the Orioles. Same team that got, they sw- got swept by in the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then proceeded to do really well and be in first place for a long time. And then proceeded to not do well. And now they're probably getting kicked out of the playoffs. But hey, they'll probably make space for the team with the longest, I think maybe the longest playoff drought, the Mariners. Mm-hmm. 20 years. One of, not, them. one of them. Yeah, one of them. <laughs> There's a lot. Yeah, Mariners haven't been in the playoffs for twenty years. Mm-hmm. That's that's a different kind of record. I'm not talking about winning the World Series. I mean yeah. in the playoffs. But just like this is not an EPL or a soccer uh, podcast, this is not a baseball podcast. Shockingly, not. No, uh, this is a this is a, this is an MCU podcast. Um, so we're just going to get right into it. So we have our you know uh, uh, this ep- this episode is brought to you by all the things i think there's a little recording at the beginning rewatchable.media go go to rewatchable.media check it out crash crash the site i think it's fixed now (laughs) i hope it's fixed i don't know i'm sure it is it doesn't matter you can fix it oh it's it's still broken (laughs) you can see everything you need to see our podcast is on there there's a couple other podcasts on there yeah uh it's a rewatchable pods look them up follow everybody that's on there um it's a fun group Um, there's lots of good part uh podcasts uh, that's an appearance by uh, Mike's dog, Millie. Yeah, she she's whining. She doesn't uh-huh. want to be here. I don't know why not. Oh, sometimes I sound like a cat. Sometimes it does sound like a cat. So Millie is going to be part of this podcast, and we're just going to have to live with it. Um, so uh, MCU news, news and notes. Um, I'm this surprised. <laughs> yeah, there is news. There was like nothing earlier this week. Uh, we're recording this on a Friday. I think this broke yesterday. Uh, but Scarlett Johansson um has settled her lawsuit with uh uh MC, the mcu and disney and marvel uh studios yeah, uh, yeah. she she had a, she had sued them for basically because they released the the uh the the movie black widow only or, or because they released it over disney plus in addition to in theaters um her contract basically said she was going to get a cut of the profits from the box office. So that box office was very low. She was, I think, probably, and, and, and rightfully so, kind of irritated by that. Yeah, and uh, there was part of the contract that said in the event of something like a, a digital release, there should be a renegotiation. That, that never happened. Now, I think importantly, some people are saying like, well, no, this didn't really happen. Even if you verbally say that, that's, mm-hmm. that, that counts. That counts, like if you handshake agreed. It turns out those are real. Uh, especially yeah. when you have good lawyers, like you yeah. might be able to push over a regular employee like you or me say like, mm-hmm. oh, that wasn't an agreement. You can't push over someone with millions of dollars and millions of dollars of yeah. lawyers. So uh, it's been reported by um, Nina Metz that uh, she made $40 million in the uh, transaction, which sounds about right. Um, if That's you a good haul. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you look at if you look at the deals that say like um, Robert Downey Jr. had uh, towards the end of the MCU, he was basically not taking upright upfront salary. He was just getting a cut of the of the box office. He was he was making similar amounts of money for 
not nearly the same sort of level of screen time. Yeah, completely. Uh, there, there's other important things too. I mean, if you're a big Disney fan now, Scarlett Johansson might will be in Disney's Tower of Terror movie, everyone's favorite ride mm-hmm. turn movie, I'm sure. <laughs> um, uh, the non Pirates of the Caribbean category. Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, it, it opens the door for her to come back, not just to Disney, but maybe the MCU someday. Yeah, and actually, I was thinking that's almost the more important thing. The fact that they settled. And mm-hmm. look, the two of us predicted a long time ago, this, this was going to settle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There was no, there was 0% chance that this was going to trial. Yeah. Yep. And uh, uh, I'd like to say to all those people out there, like, you know, saying, well, contract is contract. I'm like, you fools. <laughs> you could have listened yeah. to this podcast and realized yeah. this is Contracts all... are, only, are only as good as the, the, the last negotiation of it. Right. This was part of the negotiation. We told you that. I hope you all listen to us. Yeah. And, uh, if contracts know. were contracts, Ben Simmons would be in camp. Kyrie <laughs> Irving would be, you know, vaccinated. It's, there's lots of things that were that contracts. Yeah. This is, what, this is what you, hi, Millie. This is what you get by listening to the two old guys who've seen a lot of stuff happen in the press. Exactly. We're, I mean, it was just, it was so obvious. But anyway, so uh, the movie we are uh, counting down, I think we're like in the top 13 of our movies now. Um, so uh, this one that we're getting to is uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. So um, we'll just get right into it. Uh, so I think, I think when we think about this movie and then maybe the next one maybe they should have been flip-flopped but uh i don't know this is a good movie yeah the the next one coming upcoming is a good movie too i really enjoyed this one on this on this rewatch um i think it's because it's maybe the first time that i've rewatched it uh since the pandemic and it's got some it's got some huge dad energy in this movie as well so there's lots of stuff to like about it so we're going to get right into it so we begin with the story hank pym uh uh, everybody, everybody knows all the characters because we did Ant-Man a few weeks ago. Um, Hank Pym is telling Hope about her mom, Janet. Uh, Janet was lost. Um, she was the original Wasp. Um, she also wore a suit, got small, did hero stuff. Um, and since Scott was able to uh, get into and escape the quantum realm, Hank is thinking, hey, maybe I can go back in rescue janet maybe she's okay maybe she wasn't instantly killed maybe there's ways to get get in and out of the the quantum realm so he's like gonna try to science the shit out of that um and this is the first time you see janet's face like you saw her in the suit in the first Mm -hmm. ant-man movie but uh Mm -hmm. now we actually have a casting for for janet (laughs) so it's michelle pfeiffer who is the uh the number one first celebrity crush for, for one Shane over here. Oh, um, yeah. Well, thank you, Marvel, for <laughs> fulfilling the, the destiny. Yeah. So uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, an amazing actress, still looks amazing. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, so we get that little setup that, you know, that's what, that's what Hank and Hope are up to. Yeah. Uh, we joined Scott, Scott, uh, Scott Lang. Uh, he's under house arrest after the events of Civil War. We will get to Civil War, Captain America Civil War, much later in our rankings. Uh, but basically, uh, he was on the side that got arrested at the end. Uh, <laughs> I guess they lost. Uh, yeah, they, they, they sort of lost. I mean, they won. 
they won the hearts of people, but uh, they lost the legal battles. So uh, he's under house arrest. He's got this uh, fancy FBI uh, ankle bracelet. And uh, he does this really cute, amazingly funny little uh, fake heist that he sets up with his daughter, Cassie, uh, who's adorable. Um, in this amazing two-story brownstone in San Francisco, how does he get this house? Okay, that house is worth about $5 million. Almost, at least. Almost any time that this mm-hmm. movie would have happened, like whether it's now, when it, definitely now, mm-hmm. uh, even when this was filmed, even if this takes place earlier because, you know, the time, right. time frames that skip mm-hmm. around a bit. Yeah. That's an expensive place. Uh, also, a very expensive place. That heist? Oh, mm-hmm. that cardboard heist. Whew, that's a setup. Yeah. Yes, it is. A, it is a setup. Um, but yeah, so it's a pretty good, uh, pretty good house for you know an ex-con and a guy with a security job. Generally, security is not that high end of a job, and they don't typically let you have the money that you burgle. Hmm. Right. The government, like, if you steal a bunch of money, right, you don't get to use that money even if the government doesn't recover it. And if yeah. the government looks at it and is like, hey, there's this huge house that you just bought. I wonder where that came from. That's where you get like money laundering sort of uh, stuff. And people start wondering, I was like, okay, how did this money, how did, how did he find this house? It's, so, a, so it's at least a two-story brownstone in San Francisco. My only thought <laughs> is that we don't actually see how the other, his other ex-con friends that have their business together are living. And now it's a small right. business. There's only the four of them. Right. So they don't have the overhead of mm-hmm. other businesses. So yes, you typically don't get paid a lot as an employee, but in sure. this case, they are owners of a business. So sure, but might... we, do, we, do, we do learn later that, that, that uh, uh, they are in some financial difficulty. from a right. Now, maybe they're in financial difficulty because they pay themselves such high salaries. Maybe that's what it is. And, and, and let's face it, nobody in the Bay Area is buying houses um, like with a mortgage, right? Right. You're you're just paying you're just you're just cashing out your stock in Google or Apple or whatever you know tech company that you're working with and you get like 1.5 million and you're just paying cash for stuff. Yeah. So ex-con clearly they they yeah. he liquidated the cash right away and that's why they're in financial trouble. Okay. So anyway, so his uh, his ankle busts through a fence, which that's not how fences work. But it, anyway, um, and because his ankle bracelet sort of went off of his property, the FBI storms his uh, apartment. Yeah, uh, that, that is some amazing proximity sensor. <laughs> yes, yes. Like um, anybody who's who's lost their I, I AirPods, you know, and then tried to use the find a friend to find them. It's like you're you're if you're if you're within 50 feet of it, it'll just look like a single dot right where you're at. There's no way to like locate it any closer. So this is really good technology right here that the FBI's got. Um, but we do get our first uh, Jimmy Woo sighting. Woo! Yeah, Jimmy Woo! Uh, Randall Park is Jimmy Woo. Uh, super funny, he's super awkward. Yeah. Uh, really funny actor. He's a really funny comedian too. Um, his, his, his chemistry with Paul Rudd throughout this uh, film is terrific. Um, uh, I think that cardboard setup heist is amazing. Yeah, that, that's... Than, Great anything dad energy there. <laughs> yeah, better than anything I've ever done as a dad. Yeah, and he even has Luis playing the, the role of the giant ant, like a cardboard yes. <laughs> puppet yes. ant. Like that, that's mm-hmm. some, that's pretty great. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
So uh, uh, once the FBI people kind of clear out, Scott's clearly lonely, right? He does all this sort of, um, like all of this alone stuff where he's sort of bettering himself, like he's learning to play the drums. He's learned up close magic, which is something that's uh, kind of a recurring joke in this thing. This thing and in WandaVision. Yeah, yeah. That, that happened in WandaVision because by the time WandaVision comes around, Jimmy Woo has the up, up close uh, magic down. Yeah, so, so going a little bit backwards, isn't this movie now even better having watched yes. WandaVision? Yes, yes. Any of the movies that have kind of links to, to WandaVision, they're better. Um, they're better because of it. So uh, um, he falls asleep and he has this dream. It's kind of a weird dream. It's like a flashback uh, to a young girl playing hide and seek with Janet Van Dyne, uh, the aforementioned Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, the de-aging process, again, is perfect. She's like straight out of 1984, Michelle Pfeiffer. It's like perfect. Um, right down to the, like the, like the Farrah Fawcett hair, perfect. Um, uh, he calls Hank. Somehow he's got a number for Hank um, and leaves him a message and, and tells him about the dream. Uh, and then shortly thereafter, something knocks him out, something tiny. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So just, just this de-aging, what they did with, what they did with Hank in the first movie, what they did with uh, Michelle Pfeiffer here, what they did with Robert Downey Jr. in Civil War. I'm trying to think if there was any others. Well, uh, you know, oh, Kurt Captain Russell and Oh, sure. Captain Marvel. Yeah, with, uh, yeah, yeah. They they have it the, that tech down, and uh, this is like, I feel like there was a certain point in time when special effects were fused for ill, and it was mm-hmm. right around the time when I saw the movie Pearl Harbor. The sure <laughs> that cinematic masterpiece. Well, not quite. That mm-hmm. that made me feel like, oh no, we've gone too far. Like they they could do so much right. with technology, it uh, replaces all story. And mm-hmm. the de aging is a case where like you can't effectively tell these stories without being able to de-age really well because you want to you want that continuity you want it to be the same actor yeah and i think you wouldn't so you wouldn't want to do this with say chadwick boseman Mm. in a sequel to black panther and just make another actor look exactly like chadwick boseman yeah that's not cool that's that's not cool or you don't want to you know raise you know steve mcqueen from the dead so you can put him in the mcu yeah um also would be pretty cool but um but not not a dead season queen no no yeah. yeah but here you're having the actor play themselves just younger. yeah just as a younger version of themselves uh scorsese did this and uh in the irishman uh, which i still haven't seen have you seen the Irishman? no for all of what scorsese said i'm like <laughs> i i didn't hear that that movie was great so i i love scorsese and someday i will watch it yeah when i have yeah. 17 hours to sit down and watch it um I have but, to be told uh, that a movie is like at least four stars before image. There's so much stuff out there. There are, there is so much stuff out there. And, and at some point we need to talk about Ted Lasso, but um, so yeah, so he's, he's, he, so yeah. Um, Michelle Pfeiffer, getting back to her. Um, <laughs> she was the first celebrity crush that I had. Uh, in fact, I have seen Grease 2, the Michelle Pfeiffer vehicle. Like, 18,000 more times than I've seen Grease 1. I don't know that I've ever seen Grease 1 all the way through. Whoa. Like pieces of it. Now that, I, I don't know if there's that many people that have gone with that sequel over the I years. I know, but I can like sing the, the I can, the cool rider. 
don't want to. I don't know a single it. song from Greece two versus Greece one, where I think I know all of them. Yeah, no, there's some good songs. Uh, uh, I think it's Maxwell Caulfield or Max something like that is the huh. is the lead. He plays in so in Greece two instead of cars, there's motorcycles. Okay, Adrian so Zmed is in it. All right, I don't even I remember think, Adrian Zmed. I think Adrian Zmed. He was also in T.J. Hooker. He was the other guy. Okay. Now, did you um, ever take a nap and then see Michelle Pfeiffer in the dream as Scott Lang does? Probably. Okay. But I, I don't think she was playing hide and seek with a, whoa, okay. Hey, oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but anyway, Travolta can go to hell. Give me Grease 2. Uh, so Scott wakes up, remember Scott, um, in a van with Hope driving. Hope, you know, hmm. van Dyne. Uh, the van is tiny. That's that's a good um, gag. Yeah, that's a really good gag. So uh, it's like it can go big and small, big and small. Um, he's in his uh, like just bathrobe. <laughs> really, it's it's really good uh, pandemic energy, particularly the early days of the pandemic when no one could leave their house. So you just stay in your bathrobe or PJs all day long. Yeah, you don't even shower. It was really it's really yeah. Um, turns out uh she takes him to hank's lab where they have been uh, creating this tunnel to the quantum realm it's uh scott's dr dream lined up exactly with their first attempt at opening the tunnel so obviously janet has some sort of link to scott probably because scott went into the quantum realm there's probably not a whole lot of people that come into the quantum realm yeah and uh, uh this does now <laughs> create a problem now that we have gone through endgame Yes. So well, we, let's talk about that after we get through this little section here. Sure. So, uh, yeah, so they basically wanted, uh, they being Hank and Hope, want to get all the information out of Scott that they can about this particular dream, his interactions with uh, Janet. She's obviously left something in him that he, that uh, they need to try to get out before they can kind of find her. But, right. but first they need some tech. Right. And, uh, you know, this is uniting our heroes back together because they're mad at Scott because he uh, he stole the Ant-Man suit to be in <laughs> Civil War. And, yeah, to, uh, to go with Cap. Right. And that, that's what makes them wanted by the FBI. Right. So they're, they're fugitives. Scott is not technically a fugitive. He would be if they found out that he wasn't at his house right now. Right. But there's an ant with an ankle bracelet running around doing all the Scott things. Scott things. Which is also funny. Which is really um, funny. Yeah. We have to talk a little bit about the vehicles going big and small is a super awesome new addition to this movie that we didn't get in the first one. Yeah. Uh, that's a really fun sort of both as a just a gag as well as like once they start using it for action scenes, it's really cool. Yeah. And, and so this is one where like the science, the science fiction in the first movie was kind of well established. And then this one, they definitely break the rules a bit, but I think all for good reasons. Like, yeah, if, even when the cars are small, they still travel at the same speed as a big That's car. Right. That's right. For no reason, um, but they, they just do. They just do because it's because reasons. Maybe you just have to hit the gas light higher. Yeah, yeah, but it's cool. It, it just works. Yeah. Like it's it's a more fun action sequence, and uh, yeah. you're really digging that. So so here's my thing about Endgame: if you get quantum entangled, oh, I would never do that to. I expect you too much. If you get quantum <laughs> entangled by being one of the few people into the quantum realm. So a whole bunch of people go to the quantum realm in mm -hmm. Endgame. Are they now all quantum entangled? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Because 
they go small for a minute, but then they, I think it's because they use that particular machine that Stark builds. Right. That sort of, you go small and then you get big and you're in a different time. Oh, and then here's the other basically argument. Just, yeah. that, you're just that, using the, the quantum energy to sort of pass you through time. Yeah. And the other, I guess Scott doesn't get quantum entangled with Hank at the end of this movie. Right. Uh, so, cause Hank is now, he's a, uh, he's predicting he's going to go into the quantum realm. Now, Scott never intended to go to the quantum realm, neither did Janet. Yeah. So maybe th those suits were not quantum realm proof. Right. That's that the explanation. That's, what's, yeah. that's the fake science. <laughs> it's the fake science, but this movie doesn't need any of the fake science because it's just like, it's just like quantum. Yeah. Let's go on. Let's go. There's just stuff to do. This whole because, movie has that energy. Because this, this next scene is crazy. Yes. So they realized uh, Hope and Hank are like, oh, but we need this one piece of technology. So um, uh, they they know a uh, they know a guy named Sonny Birch, who's like a uh, they even describe him as just like a dealer in tech. Yeah, played by the great character actor uh, Walter Goggins. Goggins. Yes, Goggins. He's been in like seven thousand movies, and you've never known him as Walter Goggins. Yeah, but if you if you if you think really hard, just Walter Goggins. That's kind of what he looks like. You'll, you'll know him like from the TV show Scrub, not Scrubs, Community, where he plays Mr. Stone in the, uh, in the uh, oh, what's it, the, the lie detector episode. Yeah. If any of the people that um, operate rewatchable media and all that stuff, I still haven't watched Community. Ah. Um, Janet. Uh, oh, so Hope tries to, uh, I, I, I wrote this wrong. Hope tries to uh, uh, pay him for this tech. Sonny is like, no, 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 no. I don't want, you don't want this tech. I want your lab. I have somebody that's willing to pay $1 billion. You know, $1 billion. The Dr. Evil Pinky. Um, but she won't sell. So uh, she comes back pissed, but she's in this suit now. Mm. So she, it's like the Ant-Man suit, so she can get small, but it has wings and weapons. Way better. It's way better. It's way better suit. This is an awesome scene. So she's the wasp now. Uh, she kicks some serious ass, um, and she beats the crap out of the, of Sonny and his uh, goons. There's some really cool like um, salt shakers exploding into huge uh, uh, sizes. There's um, she's running along knives. Yeah, uh, the score is really cool during this, these action sequences too. Um, the Ant Man scores the the people that they have to do the Ant Man scores are just great. Um, I think uh, with this scene, it's this is kind of what they were trying to sell with the prequels. And <laughs> let me explain why. We know that Hope's a better fighter than Scott. Like Scott, mm -hmm. Hope's the one who has to train him to fight. Like she's been the one to, that's supposed to have been the, the small warrior <laughs> this whole time. Right. And now right. we finally get to see it. Yes. So she is she so she gets this piece of tech. She uh, is just walking out of this restaurant where they're at. And she's confronted by this other person in a mask. Um, new character. This person can kind of phase. It, it's unclear what these powers are, um, but they can sort of phase, go out of existence, come back into existence. It's it's very weird. Um, and they're scared by it. So Scott suits up in an experimental Ant-Man suit, hmm. um, and he helps her fight. Um, they're able to get this piece of tech, but. Uh, this uh, ghost character really kicks their ass and then steals the lab from Hank. Yeah. Who's, you know, in a van in the hallway. 
or in the alleyway outside. Um, at this point, this movie should really, once we sort of do the totality of it, it's the Wasp and the Ant-Man, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. She's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is like, if so, Evangeline Lilly, everybody that's seen the, the, the TV show Lost, she hasn't done a lot since then. She was in the Hobbit uh, movies, I think. I didn't even realize she was she in was a, Yeah, she was an elf. Okay. She plays, she plays so that it's, it's a completely uh, created character. So they, so the one link that they have in the Hobbit movies, and I did see these Hobbit movies, um, they're not very good, but they, they create a, um, a love interest for Legolas. Legolas is not in the Hobbit. Okay. But they create an elvish like love interest, and that's played by Evangeline. Uh, okay. I guess she kind of uh, looks like Liv action. Tyler. Is that why they did it? I don't think she looks like Liv Tyler. I think she's much more attractive than Liv Tyler. I think if you really squint your eyes, you might see Maybe. Liv Tyler. See, like... when I, so here's the problem that I have with Liv Tyler. Hmm. She looks like Steven Tyler. She does look like Steven Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> and I've seen Aerosmith in concert like three times because yeah. I'm a 40-year-old man. Yeah. Um, closer to 50 now. Hmm. And... I can't, I can't see Liv Tyler and not see, you know, love in an elevator. Right. <laughs> I see. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, that could be a problem. Would have been funnier if I had said, dude looks like a lady. Hmm. Probably. More, more relevant. Um, Although, is that song, is that song not PC anymore? I don't know. That song was about, that song is about Vince Neil from Not The Crew. Yeah, it's more about like, no, no, no he actually, like, like i don't think yeah. it's necessarily it's just like, like dude the, the guy the, yeah it's basically vince neal from motley crew yeah they, they wrote that song about him because back then he was he was back back when vince neal was like felt and yeah. really skinny and he had the long straight blonde hair and he wore makeup yeah and he looked like a yeah. lady um so they need to figure out how to get this lab back our heroes uh they reach out to an old friend of hank's Hank's kind of a dick, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> he has like nobody that really likes him anymore. And everyone oh, from the past, they really all get the, yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, this, uh, this old friend of Hank's is named Bill, Bill Foster is played by the, the great Lawrence Fishburne. Mm-hmm. So we get a, you know, a Morpheus sort of experience here. Uh, he's a college professor. He's a total nerd. It's yeah. not, he's not very Morpheus at all. Um, there's no, you know, really cool glasses that don't have the things that go back over your ears. I never figured out how those worked on his nose in the Matrix. Do you remember? Yeah, I, I don't know. Tape. <laughs> yeah, I have no so, idea. Uh, back in the day, Bill Foster used to be uh, Frank's embiggening partner. Basically, uh, he was like he was he would ex- do experiments with Hank, and he would get big, kind of like Scott has gotten big. Yeah, from the comics, um, Giant Man. If you. Yes. Yes. Um, I don't know if Bill Foster is a comic character or not, but yeah. Um, and uh, he tells them that, you know, if you adjust the, your, you know, one of your old suits, if you adjust the suits regulator, uh, you can adapt that to track the lab. Right. So, so we have just new a, fake science. <laughs> new fake science. It, it works fine. Yeah. Um, so uh, we go, so we have to go back to school. So, um, so this past scene, I really like the uh, the them making fun of the whole 
uh, MCU secret identity stuff that they do. So, you know, they're, they're going onto this college campus and they're all just wearing hats and sunglasses. Yeah. Which, is, which has been the, the, the when, any, when any MCU character needs to hide, they just wear hats and sunglasses. That's exactly the disguise that Captain America and the Falcon wear in the, in the Civil War. Right. Or Captain America and um, uh, Black Widow do basically in uh, Winter, Winter Soldier. Soldier. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think hers was a hoodie, but it still remains. Yeah. Yeah. Scott yeah. astutely points out, it's like, it looks like us at a ball game. <laughs> yeah. We just, it's just like us at a baseball game. This movie right. is so funny. And like most of it so far has been driven by, uh, by Scott, like just his character yes. actions, <laughs> the aforementioned entanglement. I, I would never entangle your wife. <laughs> I respect you too much <laughs> the whole time, uh, which is really great. Like it's just pure character-based humor. <laughs> You've got a really great interaction with, uh, with Scott and Bill Foster when they're comparing how big they each got. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, you know, the choice to, to, to go with Paul Rudd. Mm-hmm. And to really make this movie and to the Ant-Man character, okay, Ant-Man is going to be our kind of our comic, our action comedy, mm-hmm. right? So they've got two sort of a- action comedy um, uh, series when you've got Guardians of the Galaxy and Ant-Man. And it's really the most ridiculous of the characters, right? Yeah. Or you know, groups of characters. So Guardians, you've got, you know, the two, two of the five main characters are a talking raccoon and a tree. So you have to have a certain certain level of this is ridiculous. Let's make fun of this. And then Ant Man is the stupidest name to a superhero, and he gets small and he talks to ants. Those that's are his powers. Dumb. That's all that's he super can do. Dumb. That's super dumb. Now it's super helpful, but it's also super dumb, and they need to make fun of it. Yeah. And so you know, originally in the casting, I think we talked about this when we talked about the the, the prequel to this. They thought about Joseph Gordon-Levitt too, uh, for this role. Uh, would have been a younger person. Now Joseph Gordon-Levitt is a great actor, and he has some comic chops too, but he's not Paul Rudd. No, yeah, this Paul Rudd is like the next generation Bill Murray, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, we'll get to scenes later on with just the Paul Rudd uh, physical action, and uh, yeah, it's so good. So, yeah, and- so let's just get right into uh, this next scene. So he has to go. So Paul. Uh, Scott need a regulator. Kept, yes, so they, they kept an old suit. So yes. they thought, oh, we destroyed all suits because uh, Scott told them that he destroyed the suit um, so the government couldn't get it. Turns out he mailed it to Luis. Hmm. And he still has the suit. It's taped to the bottom of a world's best grandma trophy that his daughter gave him. Of course. His daughter took this to school for show and tell. So they have to infiltrate a elementary school. The best, a heist in an yes, elementary school. A heist in an elementary school. So the Ant-Man and the Wasp, they get into a, an elementary school. Scott's in an, at this point in an experimental suit and can't really control what size he is. So he gets really big. He gets really small. He gets sort of mid-sized and sort of ends up like the size of a elementary school person. So it's... He masquerades as an elementary school child to get through right. the school. So the, and, then, and then that's how he escapes. He just kind of runs out of the school as a, as a like eight-year-old. And there's a really good joke that my, love, my son loves to quote. Um, they, they get back you know, with the old suit. 
into the um the van and hank is like tough day at school uh champ would you like a string cheese and a juice box <laughs> juice box <laughs> <laughs> and he's like and scott and scott lang is like wait you have those things <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah it, it's really it's a great really funny scene and uh taking this movie takes the heist movie to new places and never have I seen a heist in an elementary school. Nope. Nope. And it's the odd heist where there's really nothing working against them. They just have to go into somebody's locker and get, you know, or cubby hole. They don't have lockers in uh, elementary schools, but uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, so they're able to use the, uh, everything is going according to plan right now. So they've got the, they've got the, the old regulators, so they're able to uh, track the uh, the the uh, lab because the lab has the quantum tunnel. They need that. Um, so they track it down, and they track Ghost down. And Ghost is in this like uh, they see her. She's in it's a her. They see her. She's in this like little chamber that sort of keeps her phased into solid state. I guess is this. Kind of chamber thing it's science don't worry about it um quantum something quantum something uh <laughs> and instead of see, stealing it and leaving which would have been great um they're knocked out by her now sometimes with and it works for plots sometimes you can just be punched right in the face and just be knocked out cold yeah and that happens yeah. with all three characters <laughs> yeah it, now if you get ever get knocked out cold aren't you like brain damaged for a really long time concussions concussions are serious things guys if you have a concussion if you get knocked out for any like more than like 10 seconds see your doctor that yeah. is a that is our public service announcement for this episode of uh, dad pods yeah hopefully ant-man the wasp and the old ant-man all go see a doctor after this uh this little adventure so yeah so they're all tied up uh turns out bill foster uh, has been working with uh, Ghost. She's a uh, the daughter of a of another former colleague of Hanks that had this industrial quantum accident where the father was killed and the accident sort of gave her these powers. They're very painful powers. She wants to be cured. She has spent most of her life working for Shield as like an assassin. Um, they they're able to escape using ants of course because of course but big ants not just the little tiny ones the big ants he, they open like an altoids pack and like these huge ants pop out and and yeah it's it's this is a great silly movie you just have to watch these scenes i can't do them justice um but they so our heroes are able to escape with the lab and for some reason they go to the mere woods that's a good place to hide out Sure. Creates our, our tie between Return of the Jedi and uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Right. Everybody should, everybody should know that the Mirror Woods uh, is where much of the Return of the Jedi uh, the, and the planet, the moon, the moon of the planet Endor hmm. is where that took place. Good call of calling it the moon and not calling it Endor. Uh, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now I think there is like a Disney Plus show that's going to be called Endor. 
but not so I don't the know moon if that was referring to the moon or if that's referring to just Endor. And that, if it is Endor, it's something different now. Oh boy. So we're not going to see Ewoks. Maybe we'll see bigger Ewoks. <laughs> Big walks. Yeah. Um, I love the joke of an emergency call that that's uh, while they're being tied up, uh, Scott's phone rings and it's like, you know, 911. Anybody who's ever been a dad has gotten these calls somewhere. I got one just the other day. Hmm. So mine was, um, so we have this deal with my son that he's only allowed to play Minecraft one hour a day. Hmm. Otherwise he will just do it all the time. And we made, we made a further deal that during the week when he's got like these sports that we take him to, this is a long story. I'm sorry about this guys. But when he goes to these little, little um, uh, when he does sports in the afternoon, he has swimming uh, twice a week. When he, there's not a lot of time in between. So if he wants to play his like Minecraft for an hour during, during like a Tuesday when we go to swimming, it's just not feasible. He doesn't have enough time. And then he doesn't have enough time to get ready and he's rushed and he's, you know, if you rush your kids, they're just jackasses. Anybody, don't yes. rush your kids. Yeah. Just let them do what they need to do. And then, you know, so we basically say, okay, you can't use Minecraft those days. But if you do two days of no Minecraft during the week, this is this weird negotiation we do with our children. You can do two consecutive hours on a weekend. Oh, okay. So I got this, I got this text the other day, this emergency text from Elliot. It's like, it's Thursday. Why can't I play Minecraft? And then I had to go through all this explanation of like two for two, you get the two on the weekend. Da, 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 da. He apparently, my wife, who's more, mostly working from home, he just kind of walked over to her desk and then fell on the floor Christ-like and is like, I'm so bored. <laughs> In this day and age, like, yes. you can do anything so else. Was, One thing so you yeah. can't do. <laughs> but yeah, so everybody has gotten these calls from their kids saying, where are my soccer shoes? Where is this? Yeah, I can't find the Cheetos. Just any silly thing. Uh, I got one. I believe that it was actually today. Mm -hmm. Oldest daughter couldn't. Was supposed to get picked up a little early from school. Uh, where's mom? And then I was like, Well, I know she's there. And then ten seconds later, Oh, there she is. <laughs> so I got on a phone call, all in a panic, and I was like, I know she left because I had to go pick up the other one. And uh, yeah. That's yeah. that was the total time that she spent looking before calling me. Yeah, and it's nice to see like villain. So the the villain's plan is sort of laid bare here. Yeah, they're going to use the quantum tunnel to use the energy from the quantum realm. Don't worry about why or how it works. They're going to use that energy to save Ghost and to to cure her from from this painful issue that she's in. Right. It's nice to see that. The, like that this bill foster guy doesn't just hold a grudge he's not just like you know twirling his mustache in the background being like ah i'm gonna kill hank pym yeah you know we get a nice combination where bill foster hates hank pym yet unlike the villain in the first one isn't just an evil dude out to like steal his work he's like no no, no i still hate him but i'm actually still a good person but i also i just want to help this girl because yeah. she's really screwed up yeah and she screwed up because of someone else that also hates your guts, Hank Pym. <laughs> a lot of this plot revolves around uh, the long history of people that Hank hate Hank Pym. Right. Yeah. Uh, so the next scene, uh, we're in the lab in the Mirror Woods. Uh, Scott channels Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, yeah. This is a funny, cool scene. 
So basically the connection that Janet and Scott have is that she can basically communicate to, so they open this tunnel, this quantum tunnel for just a second or a few minutes and they don't know where Janet is in it. So she, she basically kind of is able to communicate through Scott by basically taking over his body for a few minutes. And she takes over these keyboards and goes to, for some reason she goes to different keyboards to type in different things. It doesn't matter. Because that's how good of a programmer she is. Yes. So uh, it's funny because she does the, like the really like touching, like she calls, she calls Hope Peanut. She uh, holds Hank's hand. Jelly Bean. Remember Jelly Cassie's bean, Peanut. Cassie's Peanut. You're right. You're right. You're right. Um, Jelly Bean. Um, it's a really cute, funny scene. It's mostly just Paul Rudd being amazing. Yeah, this the scene only works because Paul Rudd is so good at channeling Michelle Pfeiffer and being it's both endearing because you can see that this is why it's, it works so well. Both Hank and Hope play it straight that they're like, mm-hmm. I, we're seeing Janet. And the, but you see this through the body of Paul Rudd. So the audience is so, just dying. So one of the early funnier die things, remember funnier die was a original sort of a, a collaboration between Adam McKay uh, who's directed a bunch of things, Talladega Nights, Anchorman, The Big Short, uh, and Will Ferrell. So it was this creation. It was going to be this like place for comedians to do fun things, funnierdie.com. And it's there's a ton of amazing funny things on funnierdie.com. One of the funniest, one of the early things they did was Paul Rudd did a, back when you needed screensavers for a computer, Paul Rudd did a screensaver where he basically just smiled hmm. for the screensaver. And it was just him smiling. And you could see the humor behind his face. Like you could see the like impish grin. It was just, it's just Paul Rudd smiling. And it made me laugh. I had the screensaver on my computer. Uh, and it was super funny, just as a side. Yeah. So Paul Rudd has always been funny and always will be funny. He's also still looks like he's 24 years old. Pretty amazing. Um, Luis, we're back to Luis. We haven't seen Luis since like the first scene. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. Uh, so he's freaking out about their fledgling uh, security business. He needs, the, they're doing this uh, big proposal for this big contract and uh, he needs, he needs Ant-Man. He needs uh, Scott. Um, uh, he calls Scott. Uh, Scott also doesn't want to be arrested because, you know, he's violating the law right now. Um, and he needs the help with this proposal. They forgot security cameras or something. It doesn't matter. Um, so Luis is, finds out where Scott is at. And he's about to go there to meet him to, to bring these plans so they can adjust the plans so they can you know make this big deal. Uh, but Sonny Birch, remember Sonny Birch? Mm. Walter Goggins um, waylays him. Oh, no. He's got, he's got like goons. We've seen these goons before. They got their ass kicked by a wasp. But now there's no superheroes. There's just, uh, uh, it's like the, uh, the wombats. I can't remember their names. Yep. But it's, uh, it's, it's T.I. and who's the other guy? I don't remember. The fake yeah. Russian guy. The fake Russian guy. Yeah. Baba, Baba Yaga. Oh, the Baba Yaga guy. <laughs> the Baba Yaga comes back in uh, uh, the What If uh, show. And it's pretty funny. Um. 
So uh, we get this truth serum sort of back and forth joke. And then we get our, we get our obligatory Louise story. Oh yeah. Right. Because Michael effing Pena. Yeah. So the Louise story is so great. Before we watch this movie, my youngest one asks, oh, is Louise in it? And is he going to mm-hmm. do it again? Like that's, <laughs> that is how impact has how much of an impression that that bit yeah. had from the first movie from the first movie yeah now now this is um so basically Luis has like several different little tangents that he goes through but he eventually does tell he actually doesn't tell sunny birch anything right but sort of ghost interrupts at the very end of the story and then they find out where they're at in the middle woods but um this is the only Luis story we get in this thing yeah i think it's actually a good thing mm-hmm. you know we got two in ant-man and the, the and the end one was sort of just like a almost a post-credit scene yeah, it, it, it was a post well actually it was right the before that yeah it's yeah. it's mid-credits yeah but uh i think it's a good job i mean because we talked about this in guardians of the galaxy 2 like guardians of the galaxy 1 drax's sort of deadpan sort of silliness is really funny Yes. But it's got to be limited. And there was probably just a little, like like 15% too much Drax, to, in, uh, Drax in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. And we talked about that when we did that. This is like the perfect amount of Luis. It's an amazing amount of restraint because had I been the director, I would have done way too much Luis. Oh, yeah. There's been like, there's been like internet stuff where like Luis should be in every uh, MCU movie narrating like, like, previously on and then just have Luis tell the story of everything that's gone on beforehand before you get into it and I think um that's probably a mistake you probably need to sort of it's only valuable in doses right uh this one is particularly great it's very memorable especially seeing Luis's uh old hairstyle when he first meets Scott Lang in the prison Uh there's a this the the magic of the Luis stories is really just like how other bits of humor were completely driven by Paul Rudd's performance, this is 100% Michael Pena, his voice yeah. acting as yeah. the scene unfolds in front of us. Yeah, I think we do need a Jimmy Woo, Darcy from the Thor movies, uh, Michael Pena, uh, Luis sort of team up. You know, uh, you could probably find another couple of characters, maybe Happy from Iron Man, maybe Ned from Spider-Man. Sure. Just have those all those characters sort of team up and none of them have powers, none of them do anything like just they're all funny. They're all like the comic relief for all the MCU. We need a team really great. Mm-hmm. So uh Scott leaves the, the lab. He's got to get back to uh his house to fool Jimmy Woo because so Walter Goggins found out where they're at too at this sort of same same time. He doesn't run off to you know uh to uh to get them the way that ghost does but he's like you know what i can just get somebody else to do this so he calls the fbi he's got somebody that he's paying or you know a dirty cop so um the dirty cop goes to the mirror woods and jimmy woo goes to uh scott scott's house because you know scott's violating his whatever so uh scott has to flee back to his uh house um ghost and the cops chase after hope and hank in the lab so Hank and Hope are arrested. 
in the Mirror Woods by the FBI. The lab is taken by ghosts. Um, Scott gets back and fools Jimmy Woo. Um, but he gets this really, really sweet sort of um, father-daughter moment with uh, Cassie, where you know she basically says, you know, you've got a partner that you need to sort of you know protect and right and save. So um, uh, he, so Scott goes back and and save and and saves Hope and Hank from from incarceration uh, using ants and a suit and. Um, some glasses and a and a hat. <laughs> Yet another and an FBI and an, and a and a and a, and a jacket that says FBI on it. <laughs> and it works, of course. Yeah. So they're they they're in this van. So they track down the lab using ants because the tracker that they, they put a tracker in the in the in the lab the last time after they lost it the first time. Um. So there's a lab. There's this elaborate uh, plan to take back the lab. Um. They need to open the quantum tunnel, quantum tunnel because it's not. It's going to be like a hundred years before they can do it again. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, they need to save Janet, uh, and they need to make the bag, the lab big again before they get out of the quantum tunnel. Right. I don't know why, because apparently you can't be small when you leave the quantum tunnel. Yeah, that that or, that is yeah that that's just like an extra. That's just a rule they put in. They put that rule it, in to it. make it harder. To make the scene more crazy and the upcoming last 20 minutes of the movie. I would have thought actually, well, the thing that shouldn't happen is that you shouldn't make the lab small while they're in the quantum realm. Because could you make, <laughs> since if you're in the quantum then realm, you you're already sub, small. Sub-quantum? Yeah. yeah. Can you get even smaller? It, it doesn't seem like you should, but. This is like Zeno's paradox. Yeah. How small can you get? Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we have this elaborate plan. Scott and uh, Hope are going to fight Ghost. Yes. Hank is going to go into the quantum realm and get to the quantum tunnel, go into the quantum realm, save Janet, and uh, or they're all going to die or something. I don't know. Bad things will happen. Yeah. So we do get Scott. Scott fights. Scott sort of sacrifices himself to fight Ghost, and it's basically a just it's up close magic, essentially. It's- it's a huge misdirect. He pretends yeah. like his regulator doesn't work and he's got to fight Ghost to normal size, which obviously puts him at a huge disadvantage. But in reality, they've got the, the lab and then they shrink it down while yeah. the Ghost is distracted fighting Scott. Yeah. And then, so, so Hank is in the lab. He has gone on, to, he, he got rid of Bill Foster with ants. Uh, and <laughs> he goes uh, into the quantum realm. So he's going off after Janet. Uh, Hope has the lab in the van with Luis because he's funny and awesome and we wanted him in the scene. Yeah, and we find, we get to use Luis, just like we got to use Luis in the final scene in the first movie. He shows up again here. But right. now we get a, a Hope slash Luis mm-hmm. uh, pairing. Yes. I love the joke. It's like, he's like, can I get a suit? I want a suit. It doesn't even have to have powers. I just, want I just want a suit. <laughs> it's really cute. It's super funny. He also, when he first comes up, he's like, "What's up?" <laughs> like he's like, "Do you remember that commercial?" What's up? <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. Michael Pena just being yeah. funny. I, I bet you that was just that was just him ad libbing that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we get this three way 
uh, car chase scene. We've got Ghost, who's like jumping into different cars and yeah, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. We've got Sonny Birch and his goons who catch up to them some for, for reasons. Again, where are the where's the government? <laughs> they missed out on this one. They, they missed it on this particular scene. Yeah. And Wasp and the Wasp and Luis are in a car. Ant Man uh, fights Ghost. She sort of wins, but they give him enough time so that uh, Wasp can get away. Uh, so they're racing through the street in downtown San Francisco. <sighs> this scene. Yeah, this is a great scene. Wonderful scene. This is one of the best chase scenes in a movie. Almost all the great chase car chase scenes happen in cities where you can't really have car chase scenes in yeah. reality. The traffic would have been really unreal. Bad. Yeah. So, but this this is in the top five of San Francisco car chase scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got the rock, obviously. Yep. That Hummer and Lamborghini scene. Uh, we have Bullet going back to Steve McQueen mm-hmm. uh, with the with the Mustang. Uh, we've got uh, the the Deadpool, which is uh, the sequel to um, I can't remember the one, but it's uh, the uh, uh, Dirty Harry movies. Oh right. And uh, and then Shang Chi just came out this summer, which you still haven't seen. I haven't seen it. It has a San Francisco chasing, huh? It has a San Francisco chasing on a bus. On a Sandtrans oh, bus. Nice. Uh, yeah. So, so um, normally I would say that Escalating Mayhem is a, a lazy way that a lot of these Marvel movies end. And uh, probably the worst example might be Age of Ultron. I mean, kids might like, oh yeah, robot, big robot fight, yeah. cool. Just but make 70 not, robots instead of four. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, to me, that's never been that appealing. This, however, is an action scene where everything is culminated with multiple threads and it's a lot of fun chaos. And I, I think the reason this one works for me, it's, it's, a, it's a comedy action scene. Yeah. So it's, uh, so there's several different little like uh, cars that get big and small, big and small, big and small. Uh, we do get Scott unable to control his size. He gets really <laughs> big. He uses a, a flatbed truck as a skateboard. Yeah, because he can't, because he can't he get can't, back to size. And, and get uh, back to a small size. Uh, the the lab goes through everybody's hands. Yep, it's the uh, ultimate MacGuffin. A difference of MacGuffin that kind of like just get it back, 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 back. Right, kind of like a volleyball. And uh, long story short, our heroes win. Yeah, right. So they get the lab back. Uh, they get it big. Janet and Hank come back out. Uh, Janet is okay. Is we don't know. She's fine. Yeah. Uh, she is able to actually heal, quote unquote, heal ghosts sort of a little bit at the end. Not her morality, um, but she can heal the physical products. Right, right. Because ghosts still committed a lot of murders while she was wearing yeah. her shield. Yeah, she did. Um, I wonder if we'll see her anymore. Hmm. Um, and then we get, uh, and they're still able to sort of fool Jimmy Woo and the FBI. Uh, despite the fact that you know Giant Man was all over the news and everything, and they're like, "Oh, we've got Scott for sure this time," but Scott's at home. Yep, they fooled him. And uh, uh, so yeah, so uh, the security kit team is able to win this big contract, um, and Scott is officially released from custody. Yep, uh, it's a hugely funny, awkward scene. <laughs> between he and jimmy woo where like i'm not sure did they make a date 
It, it sure sounded like it. Yeah. We come to our post-credit scene. So in this post-credit scene, uh, or I guess mid-credit scene, um, Janet and Hank are operating this machine and Scott is going into the quantum realm, uh, ostensibly to collect some quantum energy to, uh, so they can help Ghost. Right. What the, what the story is. So he goes in, collects this quantum energy, and he, you know, he's communicating with the team and da 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 da. All of a sudden, boom, nothing. Yeah. And then we yeah. get a cut to back to outside of the quantum tunnel and everybody is all dusty. Yeah. So if I got to say, for a movie that was pure comedy and ends as every comedy should, really well on a high note, this is mid credits. Pretty big bummer. Pretty dark, yeah. Um, so, it only works so it now the, because we have the context of everything. The full else. context. So, so this movie. So it just in context. So this movie came uh, released released after Avengers and uh, Infinity War. Yep. So at the end of Infinity War, everybody knows this. And if you don't, spoiler alert, stop right now. <laughs> but if you if you if you have seen Infinity War, you know that at the end, Thanos has all of the Infinity Stones. He snaps half of the people uh, turn to dust, half of the people everywhere, not just on earth. So uh, so of our four sort of characters that are sort of there at the end, Hank, Hope, and Janet, three of the, and, and Scott, three of them, you know, are dust. They're dust. And it just so happens to be the three that are outside of the quantum realm. At the right. moment, so Scott at the end of this movie is trapped in the quantum realm. He has no way to get out. Yeah. So I I do think now if you're if you're screening this movie for someone who hasn't seen anything else, this movie actually could be a reasonable entry, uh, other than the fact that you need to have seen the first Ant Man. But mm -hmm. entry into the MCU, you don't necessarily have to. You just get told like, oh yeah, he he went to Germany, took the suit, blah blah blah. Yeah. Uh, it's most of the humor is self-contained. If you'd watched the first movie, you really enjoy this movie. I would yeah, skip despite, this scene. <laughs> yeah, I would actually skip it. Despite, despite the fact that, you know, a big part, a big part of the like, plot is that, oh, he's arrested. He's under house arrest. But you can I mean, explain you could, it. You could sort of explain it. You don't even need to have the, the think about civil war. You could use like, he did a whole boatload of illegal things in Ant-Man 1. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's 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 despite the fact that 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 end end credit scene, it's kind of a standalone film. Yeah, and I think it works really well in that regard. And it could be an interesting entry to the MCU where you just tell someone, "Hey, I know you really like comedies. Why don't we watch Ant Man one and then watch yeah. Ant Man and the Wasp? If you really like those, and you can see the movies connected to them." Yeah, yeah, but that's uh that that's Ant Man and the Wasp. Uh, let's get it right into our final thoughts. So um, this whole movie is very much the uh, sci-fi, you know, the, the meme of the guy with the, the guy that's selling you the tape. And it's like sci-fi movies, stuff you can't explain, just say quantum. Yeah, quantum right. everything. Quantum entanglement, yeah. quantum realm, mm -hmm. quantum quantum. Yeah, I think uh, in, the, in the comics, this, this, this is referred to as the microverse. Mm -hmm. in the original thing and for some for some reason they couldn't use that I wonder if somebody else has uh, copyrighted it or something 
Possibly. I, I used to read there was a comic line that was the Micronauts, which I think is connected to the, the whole microverse. And there's a whole, so they have all these adventures in the microverse mm-hmm. uh, where it doesn't seem to matter that they're tiny. It's basically yeah. another universe in the, yeah. the comics. Mm-hmm. Like they, so, they, they use none of the, be, the, the, the embiggening. No, this is not to be stuff. confused with the negative zone, right? That's the right. That's the negative zone is something, is something that, uh, that uh, Reed Richards creates in the, or finds. You don't create something like this. Right. You just find it. Um, quantum everything. Quantum everything. It's, it's, it's a good, it's actually a good use of this. I, I, I tend to find it lazy sometimes, mm-hmm. but because they sort of created this sort of, this is, an, this is a comedy first and foremost right and an action movie second and then a comic book movie third so just like just go have fun yeah i, I think nowadays it's it's definitely a good fake sciencey way to do things there was a point in time for example uh early iron man where he used transistor technology Woo, it's transistors now clearly right. this couldn't be the transistor verse because people would have been like yeah, what? like transistor, right? What, what my radio runs off of that I don't use it anymore. Right. <laughs> it's so the silicon verse. Yes, the silicon verse. It's silicon uh, entanglement. <laughs> so, but we're not scientists, you and I. Yeah. But we are dads, so we do know just enough about quantum mechanics to know that using this word to explain stuff is just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So, quantum mechanics uh, does refer to sort of subatomic particles. Mm-hmm. Um, which do not necessarily behave the way like physical things happen out here. So if you think about Newton and sort of the laws of thermodynamics, um, when you actually take that down to a micro level at a subatomic level, the uh, atoms and subatomic, uh, actually subatomic particles don't behave in the same way that say like a billiard ball would like hit it with one other subatomic particle, which you wouldn't want to do because that causes like death. Um, so, so while there's uh, zero evidence that subatomic particles exist in a realm separate from our own, or that time operates differently there, uh, the use is better than some like sci-fi movies and books. Yeah, um, yeah I'll allow it. Yeah, I, I think it's okay. So, um, when we get into Endgame. We might this so when we do Endgame, which is going to be much later, that might be like a like a three or four hour pod. We might need some guests to break it up uh, for yeah. a week long event. Yeah. So, do we want to go into this theory that was going coming out before Ant Man and the, before Endgame came out? That because Scott was, we knew that Scott was key mm-hmm. to Endgame and the plot of Endgame. Because he was like the only, like one of the only non-core original Avengers that survived the snap. Right. Um, do we want to go into this internet theory about how he was going to kill Thanos? Uh, what kind of strategy was it? Well, it was certainly a backdoor strategy. Huh. You know, this is um, quite a rabbit hole. Yeah. Uh, it brings up the rear in uh, in possible Thanos attack plans. I, I guess if you see a crack in the armor, you have to take a poke. Yeah, it was a massive risk involved in this in this uh, attempt. I, I guess it would involve Ant Man, who is a great asset for the Avengers. 
Um, it's a frankly crappy, it's a really crappy strategy. Uh, but Thanos is not from Asgard. So it might be sound. <sighs> Holy moly. It is a crazy plan. Yeah. It's uh, bordering on asinine. Yeah. So that was our attempt at, at doing a bunch of puns. Uh, the idea was that uh, uh, Ant-Man was going to crawl up Thanos' asshole. And you mm. may want to, I don't think you need to. Clip I'm not going to edit that anything. Uh, and he, then he gets big. <laughs> <laughs> roll credits. Roll credits. That was, that's the end of Endgame. Ta-da! The very, very, very dramatic music. Da, 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 da. Uh, that, that would have been a different way to end the movie. Yeah. That would have been not as good. Probably not. I think what they came, what's better. Mm-hmm. So... I really noticed this movie. I, one of my friends had described it like we've hit, hit an age where people are really used to long form storytelling. We're used to multiple seasons of Game of Thrones and uh, just watching all of it. So you have hours upon hours. I really felt like this movie starts to, where movies like Age of Ultron were weighed down by the MCU. Like, oh, I've got to introduce all these other elements and the movie didn't work. This is a movie that, I think works really well because of the MCU mm-hmm. where you can just leverage things that have happened before you get to start things off where like, Oh yeah, they're in trouble because of what happened in civil war. Yeah. There's some really nice storytelling. There's uh, there's things that like, you don't have to worry about them explaining. There's like, Oh yeah, they're shrinking and that, that you knew that from the first movie. You, we're mm-hmm. not going to bother explaining that. And yeah. then uh, there's also stuff like there's a moment that I really liked where Scott and hope are talking Hope's mad at Scott, uh, not just for stealing the suit and getting them in trouble with the FBI. She's certainly mad about that. But then she's also mad that they were supposed to be partners at the end of the first movie. And they totally break that without an explanation. And he goes off to Civil War and Mm -hmm. fights for Cap. She's not in Civil War. So they explain, which was probably lazy writing in Civil War, that there's no wasp in that. But they, they actually do a good job of correcting that and, and uh, making it part of the plot. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, mean, I, I really like this film. I think uh, it's, uh, it's got a... Uh, it balances the sort of the action and the comedy better than, than really just about any... It's, it's probably the second funniest of the mcu movies we're going to get to the i think the funniest sort of in our top five that has maybe nine movies yeah um but uh this is just a great action comedy movie from start to finish yeah it 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 it's probably a two-hour movie i didn't i didn't look at the actual time on it it is it's like two two hours and one minute okay it feels like a movie that's like an hour and ten it feels like like you, you talk about it sort of like as a long form TV show. Mm-hmm. It feels like an episode of a TV show. It yeah. doesn't even feel like a full, like full length movie. Yeah, I think that's why it works so well. It's just so breezy, easy to watch. Uh, yeah. it's, it's great on rewatch. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so my son, uh, his review of this is, uh, it's the best Shrink Man movie out when writing this list. Okay. He leaves open the possibility, of, I guess, the sequel to this would be better as a shrink man movie hmm. the third shrink man movie could be the best yeah so i, I had asked my family uh my 
first I asked the oldest one, Jillian said that, uh, oh yeah, this is probably around rank five through eight. And then I said, really, when you watched it the first time, you really loved it. It was like, yeah, you know what? It's third. I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was easy. And then uh, I'd asked Geneva. Geneva says it's actually tied for first. The first place movies for Geneva would be um, Spider-Man, Guardians of the Galaxy, and this one. All, all the comedic ones. Mm-hmm. High ranking. Okay. My wife said, uh, hey, it's just, I really like that movie. It was like just watching a regular movie. So, <laughs> I will say uh, I could tell that the whole family this this might be the top ranked movie for my family as a whole though because they were laughing the whole time they just yeah. thoroughly enjoyed it yeah well and I think once you get past um, most of the standalone films sort of get better as the series goes along mm-hmm. um, with the, the only exception kind of being uh, Iron Man the Iron, Iron Man's got worse progressively right. i mean three is better than two but it's marginal right um but like captain america gets better clearly uh, ant-man got better spider well spider-man didn't get better it didn't get bad it just it, it's just but there's a there's a it got deeper and it, it just there's more stuff going on and it it was able to tell a different story that was really good so right um we liked this one yeah and we're we're in this there we're in the top you know 15 now all of these movies are good. You should mm-hmm. watch them all. Um, yeah, so um, I think that's it. That, that is it. I, I will say we, we the this, first time I saw this, this under an hour and a half. Yeah. First time I saw this movie, this wouldn't have ranked as high. The second time I watched it, then I, I definitely liked it a lot more. And then this time, I, I think I might like it even more. It's just yeah. improved. It's, it's got the bit that sort of brings you into Endgame. Yep. It was yeah. smart to have uh, Scott Lang in Endgame because... You know, most of the OG Avengers are not particularly funny. Yeah. And they don't particularly yeah. even use Rocket very funny in that film. Either. No, no, they don't. He's played straight for some reason. He straight, plays straight in that. And then, you know, Scott is, is it's fortunate that they kind of brought him along because he's able to be the everyman and, right. and be the comic relief through the first, you know, three quarters of that movie, which you kind of need. You see this, like, the MCU formula, it does have some sort of, there's got to be somebody in there that's either hapless or goofy. There's only a couple of movies that are able to sort of um, pull off the, the fact that there is no sort of comic relief. Right. There's a couple that I'm thinking of that don't have it. Um, uh, and it's hard to do that. It's just really hard. Um, a lot of times if you don't have it, you're gonna, it's going to be kind of a meh movie. Right. This one's got it. All right. Yeah. So we're done. Well, thank you, Shane. Thank you, Michael.